it simple, really. Great stories with a good cup of tea. It's the Tea with Mike show. On this episode of the show, uh, we welcomed uh, Jordy Cheeseman to the show. Uh, come learn about his uh, military uh, background to adapting uh, the YOLO perspective. Grab a cup of tea. Sit back. So, so I hit the re- so I hit the re- record button, and then you'll see up at the like the top it says it's like obviously started recording. See that? I go. Oh yes. Perfect. You can still hear me. Um. I can start. No, oh, oh. no, no, no. I, 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 oh, I, I uh, uh, and, then, and then, and then we'll go right into it. Cool. I think I'm going to turn you down a bit so I don't have so much interference there. There, that's probably better. Sound better? Yes, it does. Yeah. Right. All done. Already. Not touching it again. <laughs> All right, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Tea with Mike show. Uh, joining me uh, for this one is uh, Jordy uh, Cheeseman. Uh, welcome to Tea with Mike, Jordy. Thanks, Mike. It's great to be on your show. Yeah, super excited uh, to uh, have you on the show. So let's start it off really easy to begin. Uh, do you want to start by telling everyone uh, where you grew up and, and where you now call home? Well, I uh, actually grew up in the interior of uh, British Columbia. I uh, grew up in the mountains outside of Salmon Arm, British Columbia. Very nice place, beautiful, you know, but uh, not a lot of work. So as soon as I was old enough to uh, well, graduate high school and get away from there, I, uh, I left. I, uh, I joined the military and uh, had a very good career with them and uh, moved around quite a bit through Canada. Started out in Winnipeg and uh, was uh, out in Wainwright, uh, Gagetown, Kingston, and then uh, finally back here to Edmonton, where I've been for the last eight years. And I'm retired now, and uh, I love it here. It's, uh, it's a great town for what I like to do. Awesome. And then, so, so I'm curious to know, because I believe you were in the, uh, you served in the military for 27 years in total, correct? Got it, yeah. Uh, perfect. So, so I'm interested how you became interested in the military and, and why you decided to uh, join and give your service to the country. Well, I think a lot of people join uh, for employment. Uh, but I think they're in the minority. Uh, they probably joined for the same reasons I did. You know, um, just wanted to make a difference, wanted to help people who can't help themselves. And uh, I signed up and put on the uniform. And I was in the infantry that whole time. Uh, PPCLI, Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. And uh, boy, what a ride. But um, it, it's funny, because once you join the military, it's quite a different story than uh, the reasons for joining because you know you're a small cog in a, in a big in a very big machine and uh, and uh, you have little rewards here and there of uh, you know for you know little personal victories and times that you feel good about what you're doing and then uh, the rest of the time well it's as they say the hurry up and wait game right and uh, lots of room for advancement it's a, it was a great job. It served me well. And then re- I retired at the age of uh, 46 and uh, with a full pension. And I can pursue the things I love now. That's I only fantastic. had two operators and uh, they were in uh, Bosnia and Croatia. 
Awesome. Uh, yeah. Sounds like a, a a good career, like 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 you said, in terms of advancement. Like, what are some of the skills that you think you developed from your time in the military, both personally and professionally? Well, the infantry, they uh, they certainly get you in shape. That's one thing. You know, I mean, I don't know if you can call it being in, in good shape a skill, but uh, it gave me the dedication to uh, keep up that, um, you know, exercise and, and whatnot, which I still do today. Um, it teaches you a lot of patience and discipline. It teaches you how to put one foot in front of the other when you're not sure when the next step is. It's just important to keep moving forward. And I apply that to life uh, every day. You know how those mornings when you wake up and you just you just don't feel like getting out of bed. But, you know, one, one thing the military taught me is uh, you, you got to get out of bed. You got to get up and you got to move forward. And uh, I, I would say I owe a lot to uh, my, my time served. You know, it really made me the person I am. And it really made me uh, appreciate life. Uh, in and outside of the military, I mean, I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't been in for almost five years now, but it'll always be a part of who I am. Awesome, awesome, man. And, and so, in in some ways, when we're going to talk about this a lot more uh, later in the conversation, but you're probably um, grateful for your military uh, back, background for, for the the world, uh, what we currently find ourselves in the pandemic and. That, that ability to like getting up each day and to to keep going and to like keep believing and that type of thing. Yeah, certainly, certainly. You know, um, it's a funny thing. You know, I'm a, I'm an actor now, and uh, so I've got one foot on uh, on the left side, but th there's the institutional part of me that's got the one foot on the right side too. And it's, uh, I've got a lot of Facebook friends and they're all on both sides. And it's uh, it's fun reading some of them, the way they go back and forth, you know. Um, wearing a mask, that's a, that's a big thing. Me, I, I'm institutional. My government tells me to wear a mask. You know, right. I, not just my head is in the sand about the reasons why. You know, it's just, um, well, I uh, believe it or not, I actually trust our government, you know. I mean, that. Uh, <laughs> some funny things going on there sometimes but overall you know I, I trust that they have our welfare in mind and uh yeah fantastic and then, and then and then so obviously let's just go back a little bit what was it like serving in uh, bosnia and uh, croatia like in terms of the environment and some of the challenges that you that you've that you faced during your time serving on those missions? Well, my time, uh, the first one was Croatia in 93, and there was a lot of action there. The battle for the Medak pocket was during that tour. And uh, although not directly involved, I mean, uh, repercussions were felt all through our unit while we were serving there. Yeah, I was only 22 years old. Wow. And, uh, and uh, you know, I was pretty green, and uh, I saw threats everywhere. I was... Uh, always anxious, you know, but, you know, it was a six month tour with three months of preparation and, and training. And uh, I, I would say that I was prepared as well as I could have been going into that. And it taught me, it taught me a lot. It, it taught me that 
that wow, there's another world out there, another like culture. And it, it sounds silly, naive to say it in those words, but just life entirely different from ours. You know, where families will separate over over religious differences, you know, and uh, and go to war over it. And it was it was very strange and very stressful too. There are landmines off the beaten path. You know, we had very strict places we could patrol, and and uh, our, our main job over there on that tour was uh, well, we had a lot of roadblocks. Uh, we confiscated weapons, and uh, we uh, did a lot of escorts of uh, VIPs and and whatnot. You know, uh, far different from my second tour in Bosnia in 2000. Uh, there is, uh, it was more about maintaining uh, uh, what we'd established and uh, returning uh, refugees to their homes and oh, okay. uh, supplying them basic needs uh, to, to get by. So, so uh, did you, I know there were, there were two different mission objectives and a little bit of time in between those two tours, but did you as an individual feel better prepared when you um, toured um, uh, Bosnia like compared to Croatia because you uh, had a little bit more uh, experience and more preparation and knowledge? Yeah, well, yes, yeah, uh, I would say so. I mean, I was seven years older and you, know, you can you grow a lot between 22 and 29, right? <laughs> Your maturity level is, is like it's doubled uh, if you can measure it um but um yeah it was uh well it was more peaceful then and we knew that going in on the second tour and uh it was more the, the separation from friends and family that was probably harder on that tour because you had more time to think heck they even ran courses on that tour where we got qualified and uh and more skills you know? oh, okay and uh, and it was pretty cool yeah uh, I was on patrols probably six out of seven days a week, um, and uh, yeah, and those patrols are about eight and nine hours, and it was nice. You'd meet the locals, you know, you kind of get an idea of the troubles that they were facing still, you know, being, uh, well, returning home, and um, yeah, for some of them, it was just, it was horrible, you know, that they would, uh, they'd be coming back into uh, rubble that used to be their house. And uh, and we had teams that would uh, be in there clearing mines and whatnot, and uh, the engineers. And uh, we just did everything we could to assist them, you know. Yeah, that that's always fascinated me, like how how those different types of missions, from like peacekeeping to helping certain areas, like rebuild to like out and out com combat, because I think it's perceived in the media that. Well, obviously, the war is bad. Obviously, there's, there's death, and that's very unfortunate, and a lot of life lost. But, like, you just described, like, meeting the, the, the locals and, like, trying to help them, which is not about you being Canadian or them being Croatian or Bosnian. That's, to, that's to, like a people-to-people, -people, like, gesture and relationship. Yeah. Yeah, um... You don't know hardship until you see something like that overseas, you know. And uh, and then you come home and you're standing in a bank lineup and somebody's complaining that they've been waiting a couple of minutes. And uh, right. I, I don't rage over that or anything, you know. 
but uh, inside my head, I'm just thinking, you know, it's, I wish uh, I wish everybody only had to wait in bank lineups as a hardship. <laughs> gotcha. So, so really, like you tell me, it like shifts your perspective on life. What really matters at the end of the day? Yes. Yes. And uh, it's really fed into the lifestyle I lead now. And okay. uh, I, I always, I'm always challenging myself to do something new. I'm always uh, reminding myself to appreciate what I have and, uh, and the country that we live in and uh, all the opportunities it provides. I mean, this is, a, this is a great life we have here. And uh, we got to remember that. For sure, I think that's demonstrated right now, right? Like COVID is, is hitting a lot of countries incredibly hard. Uh, whilst there are cases in uh, Canada, like at the moment, we're fortunate enough to, for the most part, st apart from the events and the theater and the large gatherings, life is still normal in a, in a lot of ways. Yes. Well, it, it, would, uh, it was funny overseas. You know, you got Zagreb in there. It's like a, it's kind of like a replica of Vancouver. And life just went on there as normal, even during uh, during the war. I don't think um, they faced a lot of strife there. Um, but um, I'm sure somebody will correct me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll have uh, to yeah. watch the episode. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And then, and, uh, yeah, you, you may get a different uh, you may get a different group. Some of the, some of my army friends may be uh, watching this and uh, oh, okay. maybe they'll get this into your show. That'll be cool. And so, if what are what are three skills that you learned in the military? You kind of touched on it already that you use in your daily life now. You you can you you were talking about patience and that, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, it's funny. The infantry doesn't teach you a lot of marketable skills. You know, <laughs> paper, but uh, leadership, uh, I would say, is a skill. Uh, that uh, I learned. There are natural leaders, and I, I would never consider myself a natural leader. You know, uh, I went to the uh, Royal Military College uh, from 2006 to 2010, and uh, as if I hadn't had enough leadership as a sergeant, uh, I went there, got my degree, and I got my commission, and I became an officer. Congrats. And, and uh, thanks, thanks. And uh, boy, leadership and ethics, it's uh, interwoven <laughs> into everything that you learn there. And although I, I don't want to manage or lead anything these days, I, uh, I, I, sh I do recognize the need every now and then for somebody to stand up and maybe take charge. Or um, I can see how other people are handling things and maybe give them a hand, you know. Um, but it's hard. Not a lot of people like getting a hand or, or, or getting advice. So, you know, I, I just like to be a strong right-hand man to somebody sometimes. Awesome, man. Another skill? Um, it's, 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 really hard to, it's really hard to think of them. Um, I can shoot really well, but that doesn't... Uh, <laughs> I don't own any weapons. Um, I don't know, it's never really in me it's funny i was in the uh, you know i was in one of the one of the hardest jobs you know that uh, that a person could have but i'd never considered myself alpha i i, I believe that peace uh, comes through um 
um, being able to take away weapons from people that don't uh, don't respect them or don't respect uh, uh, I don't know this is hard to this, this is this is from a Western society point of view but uh, for people who don't respect uh, democratic views you know or uh, I don't know it sounds more like peacemaking and, and stuff but I'm not trying to say that are a lot of irresponsible uh, people, a lot of irresponsible uh, factions um, and whatnot that uh, use violence as a means to an end, and that's right. not right. And, and they need to be ways in value to like people's lives and what people at the end of the day kind of like I was alluding to. Yeah, I mean, I didn't carry a gun because I wanted to shoot it. I carried a gun because I wanted to take guns away from people who want to shoot them. Right, and that's. That main reason I joined the military. Awesome. And then, so what, so what, what was it like? So like the first part of your life, very military uh, fo focused, learning all these different skills. What was it like retiring from the military and then transitioning into, as we speak here today, what is your, almost like your new life, your second Second life, because you, you obviously see in the media and across across the yeah across the media like all the challenges that uh, people in the military often have transitioning um, into ordinary civilian life. Yes, um, finding purpose. I'd say the first year after I released, I uh, I hopped on the pity train for a little bit there, and uh, I just. Uh, I don't know. I took it easy. I let my beard grow. I um, I uh, was recovering from a shoulder surgery uh, from wear and tear from the military, and uh, and uh, I that first year, I wouldn't say I was depressed, but I would say I I lacked a bit of purpose. And uh, and uh, after a while, I it just I thought, what what am I doing? You know, I. Um, there, there's a life to be lived. I've only lived the first half, hopefully, knock on wood. I still got the, just as much uh, ahead of me as that. And um, I just uh, just decided I wanted to be more than I was. A lot of friends that I have, they retired, and um, I think they're still struggling to find their way. And uh, a lot of them have uh, operational stress injuries, uh, PTSD. And uh, a lot of them can't face it. And uh, for that, we have uh, Veterans Affairs, and uh, and uh, and they um, and 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 you know they uh, they they help out veterans. They do a lot of paperwork, which is frustrating to um, soldiers who may not uh, have uh, paperwork as their forte, like administrative right. skills. And so when you hear a lot of people talking about how Veterans Affairs doesn't look after them. It's because they, well, it's not the only reason, but it's because it's hard. And when you apply for something from Veterans Affairs, you get compensation or training or something like that, there's pushback because there's paperwork and that has to be done correctly. And um, that, that, that's where a lot of veterans, I believe, are feeling ignored. It's not factual. It's just what I believe. Right. And uh, yeah. I just, uh, I'm, I'm so persistent. I'm like a dog that's holding on to a chew toy, you know. <laughs> if I get a hold of something, I'm going to keep at it. And there are people out there who are listening to this, and, uh, and, they'll, and they'll know me for that. It's a, it, you know? it's a, 
it's a bit like me with the tea with Mike show. I've got to tell like, everybody about it because I think it has a place in the world and more people like need to know about it. Yeah. I'm sure it comes across as super persistent sometimes, which can be a good thing and a bad thing. Yeah. You make me drink when I, you know, when I see you drinking, I want to have a drink. <laughs> this is really good tea, by the way. What are you drinking? Um, it is called Celestial Seasonings. It's a Bengal spice. Is it and, good? Uh, wow. Yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah, my uh, my girlfriend got me onto this, and
It's the Tea with Mike show.